Good morning. Merry Christmas. I got some new glasses. I can see you. Don't try to hide because I can see you. Um, no, you know, I, I like to banter, but I don't have time really for banter. There, but there is a function between uh, or because of uh, my glasses. Um, you know, there's this advanced technology now in glassware. And uh, if you go out into the sunshine they'll actually change and get dark for you. And so I paid a little extra to get some of that technology. And uh, it just occurred to me that in front of these lights, maybe my glasses would change and you'd think I was trying to be cool or something. <laughs> so I want you to know, uh, if something happens, let me know. And then next week I'll have my old glasses on. <laughs> This morning, I want us to look at the Gospel of Luke and uh, chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 in particular. So if you will look in your Bible at the Gospel of Luke, there's this marvelous announcement that is uttered at the appearance of the angel of the Lord. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, and I'll have you know the word behold means pay close attention, <laughs> you know, listen carefully. That's what behold means. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ or the Messiah, the Lord. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. On this day, this day, 73 years ago, Pearl Harbor was attacked. One day can change a nation, a generation of Americans. In the media, television, radio, newspapers. Sometimes I've seen it on Facebook. I notice it a lot on Twitter. You get these announcements. You have to be paying attention in, uh, if you're reading in the newspaper, but there'll be a little box off to the side, or sometimes on a newscast, maybe at the close of the network newscast, Sometimes after the news on the radio, you'll get something like this. Uh, on this day, or 50 years ago today, and then they'll mention the name of a notable person. And they'll say, 
on this day, this person was born so many years ago. And of course, uh, we know, I mean, if we just give it a little thought, on any given day, untold numbers of people have anniversaries of their birth. But they don't always get mentioned in the media. Take today. Today is December 7th. Do any of you know someone who was born on this day? Yeah, some of you do. And because you know that person, that person whose birthday is today is a person of interest. But what I noticed this week as I was thinking about this is with the internet, and it's so much easier now, I can Google, you know, persons of interest born on December 7th, and I get a list of links. And it's interesting to me that uh, these lists, which vary widely, are telling us that these people had birthdays on December 7th because they're famous, they're people of interest, or they're popular. For example, let me just give you a couple of uh, actual examples. And, and these were people that stood out to me. They may not stand out to you. I'll, I'll find out if they're a person of interest for you. Johnny Bench. It's his birthday today. Some of you have blank stares on your face. Um, Larry Bird. Some of you recognize that name. That's a person of interest if you know who Larry Bird is. Uh, how about Luke Donald? Oh, yeah, it was quiet there for a nanosecond. Real quiet. Uh, if you don't play golf or you don't know anything about golf, then you wouldn't know perhaps about Luke Donald. How about Tom Waits? Yeah, some of you are old rock and rollers and remember Tom Waits. How about Harry Chapin? Maybe this is a bit of a generational thing. What about Noam Chomsky? Oh, that was not many. Well, okay, let me, let me try another. These also are people of interest with birthdays today. Ellen Burstyn, Ted Knight. Yeah, I see some... Hoary heads nodding. <laughs> How about Louis Prima? Yeah, some of the older crowd remember these names. How about this, Yusil uh, Puig? If you're a Dodgers fan, yeah. How about Aaron Carter? <laughs> How about Yasmin Viegas? You know, one of the nice things about the digital age and the internet is when you don't know who someone is, you can just, in these lists, click on the link and you get a little bio. And this is what I found out about Yasmin Viegas. Yasmin is a Filipino-American R&B artist. She's a singer. She goes by the name of Yasmin V. How many of you have heard of Yasmin V? Interesting. 
She signed a contract with Sony Music at age 16. She acted in a commercial for the children's animated film, The Land Before Time. She collaborated with young pop icons like Nick Jonas, Justin Bieber. She has two brothers and one stepbrother. She had a cameo appearance in Kanye West's Jesus Walks music video. And you don't know who she is? In popularity, she ranked person number 1,341 overall. (laughs) Among people born today, she's ranked number four. Among people named Yasmin, she's ranked number one. (laughs) Among singers, she's ranked 36, if those singers are from California. And among Sagittarius singers, she's ranked number 19. And among singers born today, she's ranked number one. You should know who Yasmin Viegas is, I would think. I bring this sort of thing up because it raises the question why anybody else's birthday is important to you or of interest or of impact. A birthday marks the advent, the coming, the arrival of a person of interest. And a person's birthday becomes important to us after the accomplishments of that person's life. Does that make sense? Let me just give you an example. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln became important to a widening and widening circles of people after he became president, the 16th president of the United States, and especially after he saved the Union and after he was assassinated, and especially even later after we had some perspective on what a great president he truly was. And to this day, in the eyes of many, 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 and most, he's the greatest president, if not one of the greatest leaders under the circumstances and the conditions in which he had to operate in the world, let alone in our national history. Did you know what date he's born on? He's born on February 12th, 1809. Do you know where he was born? In a log cabin. Do you know why that log cabin became important? It wasn't important when he was born. It wasn't important while he was growing up. It wasn't important even after he became president. It became important later, and then they couldn't recover it because people had cannibalized the cabin for parts, for timber, to do other things with it because it wasn't important in their eyes, and yet there's a replica of it today. Why? Because of Abraham Lincoln and what he did for us 
in ways we don't even fully appreciate. And that log cabin becomes symbolic in powerful ways to us because we realize you don't have to be born of privilege and wealth and great opportunity to do great things for humankind, to do great things right in the midst of where you are. If you start where you're at and deal with the reality that you've been put in and make something of your life. You may not be a person of interest. You may not be ranked among the singers in California. Now, I mention all of this because while a handful of people celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ, at the announcement of the angel of God, the whole world celebrated the birth of Octavian known as Augustus Caesar, emperor of the Roman Empire. In verse 1 of this chapter, he's referenced. He gets a mention in chapter 2, verse 1. Look at it. In those days... The days of Augustus Caesar, the emperor of the whole world, the Roman Empire. And why is Joseph taking his pregnant wife on a donkey ride? Because the emperor said so. Augustus decreed that every citizen should register. And across the empire, under the administration of the different districts and regions, agents of the empire compelled the people to register, to be counted, to be numbered, to be named, because they belong to the Roman Empire. In a sense, they're a part of the power of Caesar Augustus. That's the background of God's action in the story being told to us by Luke. Let me tell you just a little bit about Augustus. We know about him. We know about his birthday. We know about his birthday. Do you realize that throughout the empire, the birthday of Augustus Caesar was celebrated? In fact, archaeologists have unearthed not one, but many inscriptions erected at the time. Now in ruins, overlooked, forgotten, because Augustus Caesar is dead. He's a person of interest, a huge person of interest. He was the greatest emperor of Rome, 
the founder of the Roman Empire, the first ruler. Do you know he is called Augustus? He was given the name Augustus. He was not born with it. His parents didn't have such ostentatious aspirations for their son, but he was given the name because of his achievements. Augustus means venerable, great from the Latin, to increase. He made a decree, that is, the decree throughout the Roman Empire, the, as it were, civilized world, is the legal authority of one man, supported by his people, the elite, the patricians, the senators, the equestrians, the citizens. That's the elite. That's the cream. Everyone else, if they're lucky, if they're lucky, is a freedman, a plebe, and not a slave, or of the lower class. The expression right here in chapter 2, verse 1, the whole world, it's not the world, the word earth, which is geese, or geese, depending on how you pronounce the Greek. It's not the word cosmos, which is another word that can denote the world. Do you know what word is used here? We think of it because it's used elsewhere of administration or operation. It's the, it's the, it's the word from which we get economy, economy. Do you know how to say this Greek word? World, the organized, the administrated, the world, if you will, what we could call the domain of Augustus Caesar, it's pronounced like this, economy. That's how you say the Greek word, economy, the whole world. Here's part of what those inscriptions read. I'll just give you some excerpts. Providence, providence, by divine action, you might say, Augustus has been given to us. Divinely sent, filled with virtue and power for the benefit of all mankind is Augustus. Augustus our Savior for us, for our descendants, to end the war, bring peace and order of all things. You've all heard of the Roman peace that was established under Augustus. It's said on the inscription that with his appearing, Caesar has surpassed our greatest expectations. Expectations set by former leaders, rulers, and their benevolence, all past benevolence has been surpassed by the benevolence of Augustus. In fact, it goes on to say that all successors, 
It's hopeless for them to even imagine that they could surpass the accomplishments of Augustus. And you know what? I know a little bit about the reign of Augustus, and I can understand why they would inscribe that. And then these words, listen carefully. It's the birthday of the God, Augustus, the beginning of the good news, the very same word that we translate gospel today. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. Here's the glad tidings. That's what the word gospel means. Good news, great news, incredible news. It's the birthday of the God Augustus, Augustus, the beginning of the good news for the world, the world that has come to be because of him. And it goes on to call for celebrations, rejoicing, and religious observance. You've heard of the Aeneid, the great poem of the Roman poet Virgil, he says, this is he whom you have so often heard promised to you, Augustus Caesar, son of God, who shall again set up the golden age. Now, this is the background of the birth of Jesus Christ, the announcement of the birth and the birth of Jesus Christ. Mark's gospel begins like this. Listen to the language that Mark uses. Do you know where the gospel of Mark was written and circulated? In Rome. In Rome. And this is how it begins. The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? I'm even hearing xylophones. It's so amazing. Jesus was born at the height of the power of Augustus. When we hear the words, on this day, we don't know when Jesus was born. We don't know the date. Augustus was born September 23rd. We're not sure when Jesus was born. Could have been September There are reasons that many think it was. Could have been December 25th, just as we celebrate it. But the most important thing I want us to appreciate this morning is the difference between an emperor who advertises his own legitimate importance and our God in the announcement of the birth of Jesus. To whom did the announcement of the angel of the Lord come? To whom? Do you know? To shepherds. That's what we're told in verse 8. This is the only place in the New Testament that literal shepherds are mentioned. I mean, we use shepherd as a metaphor, and there are references to Jesus and other leaders as shepherds. But this is the only place that real shepherds in the New Testament is mentioned. These are real shepherds to whom the angel of the Lord appears. It's to them 
that this announcement comes against the background of the birth date of the most important person comes the announcement of the unique and only Son of God to shepherds. At that time, Mary didn't even know about the announcement. She was in Bethlehem. Joseph didn't know about the announcement. He was in Bethlehem as well. Only some shepherds were not even told how many. The disciples who would later follow Jesus, they didn't know about the announcement. They didn't even know what was to happen. Some of them maybe weren't even born or were just toddlers at this time. If they were a little older than Jesus or those that were not yet born at this time. Remember Anna and Simeon when Mary and Joseph bring the child Jesus into the temple precincts as prescribed by law. He's to be circumcised. The spirit moves them. Those who have been waiting for this great moment, they didn't know about this announcement. There were no inscriptions made, none circulated. In fact, we wouldn't even know about this announcement if the, if the shepherds hadn't gone to Bethlehem to find Mary and Joseph and they didn't tell their story, which we're told they told. In fact, it's interesting to me that Mary only is, this whole event is told to us here in the Gospel of Luke. The angel of the Lord who came to Zechariah, that priest, on that day during his turn, his one turn, back in the beginning of the chap first chapter of this Gospel, he tells about the angel of the Lord talking to him. He tells his wife, Elizabeth, later, she who is going to have a child, she whose biological clock had sprung is going to have a child, she who is the aunt of Mary. Mary's audience with the angel of the Lord, the Annunciation in chapter 1. She tells Joseph, Joseph goes through a difficult time considering whether he's going to follow through with this because he can't comprehend what has happened. Joseph and Mary follow the leadings of the Lord, and there they are having this child. When shepherds come in, they've been contacted by the angel of the Lord. They see the child, they worship, and they tell Mary and Joseph everything that they had seen and heard. How do we get this message? The resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. I just want us to appreciate that God came so humbly, taking the, 
the very constitution, human constitution of a man, the God-man, in consummate vulnerability, being reared by a young, young woman, maybe 13, 14, an older husband who passes from the scene, maybe doesn't even get to see Jesus fully grow up. She, this young woman who raises this son, we're told by Luke, treasures these things in her heart. And by the way, it's only Luke that tells us that she treasures these things in her heart. Mary sees the, her son crucified and with others raised from the dead. And she, with the early church, knows the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The writer of this gospel himself is touched by the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Because, and I mean no disrespect here, I mean, we have the whole Bible, right? We can see the whole story. But in the way it played out, the gospel, in many respects, began with the resurrection because it wouldn't have mattered if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. And Luke is a part of this story. He's a man of faith. I mean, in my own experience, do you know how I became a Christian? I heard the gospel. I didn't know all the details. But it mattered because Jesus was raised from the dead. And that's a one-of-a-kind experience. And it all mattered because he lives. Everything that happened mattered in a way it couldn't have mattered at the time because he lives. It matters today. It matters to you and me because he lives. We know this at a level that even as it was evolving and happening, it was not fully understood. Turn back a page to Luke chapter 1. Look at the way this gospel starts. Luke was very mindful. I think he was... <laughs> it's just so plain to me that he was well aware of the heights of Augustus in the history of humankind. To this day, I can't imagine anyone higher than Augustus Caesar in terms of human feats and accomplishments. And the announcement and the method and the means and the way of God. Look at this. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative or history of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word 
have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. This was a volume one of a complete work that came in two volumes. The second volume was Acts of the Apostles. And Luke is a part of the very story. In fact, he travels with Paul. I personally am inclined to think that Luke possibly, very probably, met Mary on one of the first missionary journeys and had the chance to interview her. I think it's interesting that Luke alone records the fact that Mary treasured these things in her heart. These things come from Mary. And they were all validated at the resurrection. Does that make sense to you? Because we know that they were all, in a sense, going to take place because God's in this. But Jesus, that temptation he went through, that was real. The suffering that he went through in his life at the cross, when he fell in prayer, saying, God, take this cup from me. That was all real. Because he, through obedience, through the purpose that he was committed to, for you and for me to accomplish at the cross, all had to be done. He, we say, we affirm and confess was sinless. That happened because he was faithful for your sake and for mine. And it all began in a remote corner of the Roman Empire. In the east of the Mediterranean, in Judea, in a small village, still small today. And the announcement was made to shepherds to our human way of thinking, this is a huge, huge marketing failure. But this is the way God works because what Jesus came to do did not depend on marketing. It depended on Jesus. And when he rose from the dead, when he was raised by the power of the Spirit, and poured out his spirit on the church. That was a new existence begun, and that's why the church is the future of God's plans for the whole of creation. A new economy, a new world. You belong to that. That's what we celebrate on this day in the town of David. There has been born to you a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, and we rejoice. We rejoice, for this is good news. What did Paul write? 
in his letter to the Romans, under the nose of the emperor. Think about this. Listen to these words. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Why do you believe that's true? Because on that day, a mother, her husband, and some shepherds were told the good news. People who didn't matter. People who didn't rank. People that an Augustus would be ashamed to associate with. You know what? That's confirming to me and to you it ought to be. Because God matters. In God's heart, in God's economy, the least among us matters. The shepherds among us matter. And when they matter, everyone matters. This is good news, the the angel announces, for all the people. And that's what we celebrate in this cup and in this bread. The bread representing his death for you and for me. And the cup, a new covenant. A new decree, if you will, established in his death and his resurrection. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Jesus is so precious to us. He is your son. He is you come in the flesh to win for us a salvation we could not win for ourselves. We who like shepherds matter only to you in the grand economy of this world, but Father, in your economy, We all matter because of Jesus. And as we weigh the confession that we make with our heart and with our lips in the taking of this bread and this cup, we do declare that you are our Savior, the Messiah, our Lord. And we praise and thank you that we belong to you, that we know new life in this new covenant. We have new purpose because of who you are. And this is what we remember and we celebrate as we we take this bread and this cup now. 
In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen.